0: going on everybody welcome to a very special episode on 4gq tv's mcu after show and today we have two very special guests uh real quick co-host paris is over there right next to me but we have a very special guest today uh first off uh i want to welcome Derek robertson back thank you very much for coming on and gary witta for the first time hopefully i said your last name correctly
1: Yes, um, uh, most people uh, pronounce it correctly. They just can't spell it correctly.
0: (laughs) Nice. You know that feeling. Well, thank you both for for coming on today, and uh, both of you are working on something very exciting to many fans out there um, that do, you know, that are into comics. Um, Can you tell us what you guys are working on?
1: Who's that directed to?
0: Um, Either one. Us.
1: (laughs) Do a, do a um, combo. <laughs> so uh, Derek and I are um, collaborating. Uh, we've worked together before uh, on uh, various different projects, but this is uh, probably the biggest thing that we've done uh, together. Batman Fortress is a eight part original mini series from DC comics that uh, just came out this past week. Uh, issue one is out now. Um, and uh, it'll run uh, on a monthly basis for the next eight months. So we'll probably wrap up sometime uh around the holidays or um, uh, early next year. And it's uh, an original um, Batman story that Derek and I were excited about. Uh, we had, uh, Derek's obviously done a lot of work in the DC universe before, a lot of work. Um, and I had kind of dabbled a little bit. I contributed a story uh, to uh, the Joker 80th anniversary uh, compendium that, um, uh, that DC put out um, for the Joker's 80th, uh, uh, I think that was last year. And um, DC obviously loved Derek and they liked the story, the Joker story I did. And so Ben Abernathy, our editor at DC, had the idea of putting us together on a Batman book. And they asked us to uh, pitch him some ideas and they liked what we pitched. And uh, now here we are.
2: Here we are.
1: Awesome.
0: So, okay, so this is directed at both of you as well, but um, maybe Derek go first. What's it like working together on a comic book?
2: Uh, it's great. Well, with Gary, it's always fun. I mean, this, like I said, it's not our first rodeo collaborating. Uh, we, we worked on a book for Image called uh, Oliver, which was an original idea that Gary had. Uh, it's had stops and starts, but we are very passionate. I'm very passionate about the work I put into it. But it's fun because with Gary, he's a friend, so I can call him up and we talk on the phone and, you know, hammer things out. And it's it's very collaborative.
1: Yeah, it's been good. It's 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 always nice to work on something with your friends. And Derek and I were friends before we were yeah. um, collaborators. We, we used to be drinking buddies back. We would get drunk and watch Star Wars movies together before we ever <laughs> really thought seriously about uh, working together. Uh, but when I needed an artist for um, Oliver, which was an original idea I wanted to do as a comic book, um, we teamed up on that. And, and like I said, we did that at... Uh, uh, image so uh when when Ben had the idea of, of pairing us up on a Batman book it was it was a very easy sell because mm-hmm. um we'd worked together before Derek can probably speak to this more than I can because he's worked with many more writers than I have with artists on comic book projects but I, I imagine it's different with with everyone every writer has a different way of working every artist has a different way of working but but Derek and I know how we work um together and uh, yeah and um uh Derek's often often very accommodating I'll, I'll often give him scripts that you know not the easiest thing in the world to figure out how to break it into panels and and make work as a comic book page but he'll always find a way to do it and so uh, he's actually been I, I mean I've done several comics but I'm more fluent as a as a screenwriter and uh, working in other medias and, and comic books obviously is a very very it, it, there's a very specific language to it the way that things work on the page and um, like I said, I'm not a newbie anymore. I've been doing this for a while, but Derek is immensely more experienced than I am. So anytime I'm not 100% sure about like how something might work on a page or how, how best to, you know, kind of take the idea that I have and express it visually, Derek's always, um, you know, got, you know, anytime I'm stuck for an idea, he'll come in and, and solve the problem for me. So it's, it's a good, it's a good working relationship. He carries me a lot, basically. That's
2: very kind. Gary gives me a lot of good shit to work with. And so hey, can I swear on this? is this a, is this a swearing yeah. kind of thing so I, throw out the, I just i throw yeah, out the S bomb like i should PCs. ask before i'll try to I'll, I'll try to avoid f-bombs if i can i, I don't hear them until they come out of me sometimes um now but gary gives me great stuff to work with and i've had uh you know it, and his screenwriting chops really come through and because he's he essentially writes a movie and he did it mm-hmm. with Oliver Oliver was supposed to be a movie originally and so I our first collaboration was me basically taking his screenplay and adapting it into into comics and like finding page breaks and chapter breaks and we move some stuff around because it works better in a sequential comic like with this scene here rather than that scene there mm-hmm. <clears throat> because you're not watching it linear in a linear fashion like you do with uh, cinema you're actually reading it in chunks and so sometimes you want that basing to be, you know, a dramatic beginning and a middle and then an end because it's that chapter is just going to encapsulate what might have been 20 minutes of film and 20 minutes of film might read or might, might flow very differently. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting over a cold, so that might happen a few times. No worries. Um, that, but that scene, uh, but, the, but that seamlessness of working together has been really good for me because uh, while Gary says he's, uh, I'm carrying him, I actually feel like Gary's freeing me up to be my most creative self. I'm, I'm happiest when I have a lot of room to play. Um, one of the nicest compliments I got uh, working in my long career has, uh, was from Keith, Keith Giffen. And uh, Keith Giffen uh, notoriously would uh, break, and in my very first jobs, like I would get these breakdowns, and this is apparently how he worked with everybody. He would do these pencil breakdowns for every page that you were supposed to follow as the artist. So when I worked on Justice League, I was looking, I was working off of Keith's uh, layouts and he's a brilliant storyteller. He's he's, he's considered one of the best. And so uh, we ended up doing two issues of the authority that he wrote by himself. He didn't collaborate with, like he did with uh, J.M. DeMattis uh, back then. He was, it was just him writing the authority. And the first script I got said, you know, normally I'd lay this all out, but Derek knows what he's doing. So it was like a really nice pat on the back from Keith Giffen, like saying, I don't need to, you know, Derek doesn't need the training wheels, And I was like, oh <laughs> felt like an achievement. I like, you don't, I don't get, you know, people don't show up and give me awards or anything like that in this business. Yeah. Like a lot of times you just work. And, you know, so it's the little compliments I get from co-creators and, and people that I admire that, that I kind of walk away in my imaginary awards cabinet.
1: Nice. So, yeah. When so Derek and Gary, I first started working together on, on Oliver, right. Because I was, I was coming to that relatively inexperienced as a, as a comic book writer at that time I didn't even break the scripts down into panels I so said Derek was essentially getting what looked a lot like screenplay pages from me which was just you know kind of you know scene direction and dialogue but it wasn't like mm-hmm. panel one panel two or even page one page two because I just felt like you know Derek has done so many more comics than I have that I trusted his instinct on and his experience in how to kind of break things down into panels and how to kind of mm-hmm. You know get the best possible kind of page page flow and panel flow way better than i did my own instinct and he was happy to kind of take the the kind of the the, conti- the contiguous pages that i gave him and figure out how to kind of break them down into panels at the same time i felt kind of guilty that like that is part of my job as a writer if you look at like most comic book scripts they do you know kind of break things down into you know they, they do the the panel flow um as i felt kind of guilty that i was offloading all that onto derek so i kind of like I've, I've been kind of learning as i go and now on fortress the pages that Derek gets me, they are, they are in panels, but it's still very kind of like if, if there's any specific I want to draw attention to, so, oh, this should be like a full page splash or let's go big on this panel or whatever, or like this should be on a page turn, you know, to preserve the reveal mm. or whatever, then, you know, I'll, I'll include those notes. But for the main part, when even when Derek gets broken down panel pages from me, he also knows that he has like a free hand to basically throw away, throw that away and say, you know, Gary's got four pages on this panel, but I think it'll work better if I do five here and have more space on the next page or whatever. Like the the, the, the panel flows that I do are really just kind of to make sure that everything's going to fit. And I'm not, you know, if I'm writing a 20-page issue, I'm not giving Derek, you know, 25 pages worth of material that's not going to fit. So when I do my own pages and panels, I know it's all basically going to fit, but the, but, the, but the panels that I give him are very kind of, like, this is a placeholder. Feel free to kind of chop this up and change it around. Um, as you see fit. So it's it, it's worked out pretty well so far, I think.
2: No, it's yeah. it's that's one is great, and that that's the way a lot of uh, comic book writers that I've collaborated with. The better ones, the the more experienced ones, that's kind of mm-hmm. how they do it too. Like this is just a suggestion. Like I see six panels, but if you want to do more or less, you know, I'm open to that. And I try to always show it to the writer uh, before I go to inks to say, okay, this is what I'm thinking. And so if they have feedback on the pencils they can give me notes that early stage to where laying it out again or adding or subtracting something isn't as big of a pain in the ass as it is if it's inked but uh, like but in in issue one like I think there was an example where uh we had uh we haven't read it so um now I feel like I'm going to be spoiling it if I bring it there's a sequence with somebody hanging off a bus Mm -hmm. and they're losing their grip and it was the way it was written and the way I chose to uh, lay it out is I did four panels of just the hand slipping off the grip and that was something that I contributed and showed to Gary and he's like oh I love that so that's like okay it, you know he might not have thought to put four panels there but it there were four smart panels that really give you the you know hopefully that really give the feeling of like you know the, the grip getting, getting lost yeah you know yeah. It's, it's an Eisner technique that I, I love and I try to nice. apply wherever possible but yes. that's the kind of thing where, you know, but I showed it to Gary. Like, what do you think of this? And, you know, if Gary likes it and Ben likes it, Ben, when we talk about Ben, we're talking about the great Ben Abernathy, who's our editor on this.
3: Okay. Uh,
2: but if I But I always figure, like, I have two people I got to make happy besides myself. And that's the writer and the editor. If they're happy with the work and I feel good about it, I'm kind of done at that point.
3: <laughs> nice. Yeah. Since we're diving into Fortress episode one, by the way, it just was released on May 24th. Um, you can get it at all your comic um, stores online. I thought I thought I was in Kindle, DC Online, all the other places. I think it's three ninety nine US. So um, yeah, people go out and make sure you go pick up this uh, comic. It's it's really really done really 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 well. Um, so as we dive into this, I, I know you don't want to spoil it for the fans and and, and things like that, but what are some of the, some of your most memorable moments? I guess between you and uh, Derek, you and Gary of creating, we we'll just start with episode one of the, uh, the first uh, book number one. Right?
2: Well, it's really, it's been fun for me because it's something that Gary and I had like, we talked about doing this story like years ago, Gary didn't remember this, but I was over at his house and we were watching Superman uh, three or Superman two. Mm -hmm. We weren't watching Superman
1: 3, I promise you. We were watching Superman 2. 2. I think we
2: were, oh, we were bagging on Superman 3. That's what it was. We were watching 2 and shitting on 3 because that's probably what it was.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then well, we got like, the listen form- you know like hold on let's just let's just put a pin in it for a second superman 3 has got some cool stuff in it it's not all bad right it's, it's a bad, bad movie overall it's pretty bad but it does have some cool bits in it i think Drug to superman be fair is, to is, it you have to kind of pick them out and watch them just, just like cut on their to own. drunk
2: superman and the fight between uh, drunk superman and clark to get his soul back. i know yeah and they're like the that bad 10 tri- minutes like is the, like the, the best best part
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. what is it like Christopher Reeve like, totally sold of, it, There's but, one part of that they can't figure out what it is. So he just puts tar in there. And so you get like the you get like the, the kind of the tar version of, of <laughs> evil Superman is. Yeah, I always thought that was really fun. I always remember him pick. Remember him flipping the peanut, flicking the peanuts into the. Yeah. Mirror yes, that's my yeah. favorite part. Breaking the Damn. bottles. Yeah.
2: But we started talking about the Fortress of Solitude. And yeah. we were talking about how like Superman seemed to have all these different powers when he was there. And I just, I had at the time I had been asked to DC, by DC, my Legends of the Dark Knight uh, story that I wrote and drew uh, mm. early last year came from a pitch for what they were calling at the time like DC Digital Heroes or something like that. And they had asked me for a number of pitches. And so my Batman pitch became my Legends of the Dark Knight story. I expanded on it, mm. but I wanted to work on one with Gary because we were in the middle of doing Oliver at the time. And so I said, hey, do you want to pitch one of these together? And we started talking about. And I started talking about uh, this idea I had about Batman climbing outside the Fortress of Solitude trying to break in and it led to this huge conversation that we had about breaking into the Fortress of Solitude. And so when we came back around on our pitches, that came up again and like Gary was like, you know, what Gary's taken it and done with it is far beyond what I had imagined. But, you know, but it was a really cool, but, but all the way back to then we wanted to collaborate on DC stuff together. So it, this was our first real opportunity to kind of run whole hog and you know, and what's been really fun is like Gary's kind of like in a toy box, going, oh, "I want to play with this guy and that guy and bring this guy in." And and you know, yeah. and for me, it's like I'm just happy to draw. So you know,
1: yeah, that that idea <laughs> of toys. um of kind of 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 of, of treating the the, the fortress. Of, I've always loved the idea of the Fortress of Solitude. It's like one of my favorite pieces of iconography from the Superman universe and you know it's mm-hmm. been rendered so beautifully in different you know comics and movies over the years it just i love I love the idea of for me it's a really really important part of superman's character you know because he's so alien um that I feel like it it's, it's that place he doesn't really belong on earth I think he knows that and so sometimes he kind of needs that place it's kind of like his home away from home right so it's, like it's almost this little piece of Krypton that is kind of that's all that 's left of his homeworld and he goes there to kind of reflect and be by himself and it's kind of think about like his unique situation. I've always kind of liked that um, idea. And we all need that place, right? We all need our own kind of personal fortress of solitude where we can just go. And I guess it's the toilet for most of us these days, for those of us who are married <laughs> and kids. <laughs> um, but it's, but it, it's also fascinating to think of it as this, you know, this piece of Kryptonian architecture that, you know, has Kryptonian level technology mm. uh, inside of it. And that's one of, the, uh, one of the things I always thought was interesting about Krypton, you know, kind of thousands of years more technologically advanced than Earth. Um, and so what is that, you know, what kind of fun can you have with that? And so the idea of trying to break into it and almost constructing almost like an Ocean's 11 style heist, you know, where it's like, mm-hmm. well, what, what, what are the, what are the particular, it's kind of like breaking into Fort Knox and figuring out, okay, well, here's, here's what defensive systems they have in place Here's how we're going to circumvent the security. We're going to do that. We're going to need this kind of specialist that we need, an you know, explosives guy, we need, you know, like a, like a hacker, you know, we're going to need these very con man, you know, the classic kind of putting together a crew to kind of, you know, pull off a heist. Yeah. I always thought there was something. I, I mean, I love. I, I was. I love heist movies. I love those kind of movies. The oceans movies are so much fun. That the idea of kind of taking that model and applying it to what you know, what in this in this comic book is is basically kind of represented as the most secure, well guarded, most impossible to break into facility. Not just on Earth, but in, in anywhere in the universe. Yeah. Because uh, again, what, what does it look like when you're trying to break into a place that is protected by security that is the product of a civilization of technology that's thousands of years more advanced? than our own well you know that could be a really interesting challenge for a bunch of superheroes to try and mm-hmm. figure out and so that so that was that was the idea that had been percolating for a while mm-hmm. and when ben asked us to pitch him an idea we, we yeah we, that was kind of the the you know, we got to do the we got to do the, the fortress and so that's kind of where <laughs> yeah, it came all, from
2: all the all the further my brain had gone into it was just <laughs> picturing batman clinging to the outside of the of the fortress with by his fingertips in like you know sleeting snow and polar bears around the bottom if you fell and trying to find an opening somehow that's as far as my brain had gone into it and it was right. more almost make more of a good cover image or something that it would be a story so like the whole ocean's 11 element that gary brought to it i was like see this is why i don't want to do it by myself <laughs> that's why i like working with gary because it's like right. it's so much so much bigger and better than what i would have thought of by myself yeah, it's also, it's, it's also a nice I was way only to think of a, a 10 page story too because it was put those digital stories are supposed to be short and tight but that's right 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 but when, when, but when you have eight
1: issues to play with it's also a really nice opportunity to kind of you know start pulling out all the really all the really interesting action figures that's often what i that's often how i think about my job you know when i was 10 years old i was like kind of bashing my action figures together kind of making them fight and coming up with <laughs> right. little stories and we're still doing that today you know except yeah. now we get paid to do it right but that's essentially right. what we're still doing it's kind of you know bashing action figures together and kind of and creating, creating little narratives you know context for them to you know why are they fighting and you know we're just doing that now on a grander scale um yeah. but yeah so when when this came along the idea of doing a well you know batman can't do this alone right and so he's going to need a crew of specialists mm-hmm. to do that oh, that seemed like it made a lot of sense just from a practical storytelling standpoint but it also means you get to have a lot of fun like, okay and we very sp- break into the fortress of solitude because again i feel like it's too obvious it's too easy mm-hmm. to have all the a list guys doing it and as much as i love you know kind of wonder woman and the flash and you know the the the, the big kind of a list guys yeah. i i kind of wanted to kind of go a little bit deeper into the roster and like look at the the, the c list and d list and <laughs> i pulled a copy of like kind of the, the, the kind of the dc uh character roster like everyone has ever appeared in a dc comic no matter how obscure. And as you know, that that list goes We both know, started very obscure and very of this. that's it. The ultimate character <laughs> <is> <laughs> the one awesome of the books I sure. was referring to. And there's a bunch of characters in there that I'd never heard, heard of, them. but I thought were fascinating. We ended up doing some research, and the, the conceit that we came up with is in the initial attempts to kind of defeat this alien ship that's calling all these all of these problems on Earth. Mm-hmm. Most of the Justice League essentially get either wiped out or captured or somehow you know injured, or they're not available for what comes next. So when when Bruce figures out that you know his only hope is to Somehow break into the fortress and 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 get something from inside of there that they need, and he has to start thinking. Well, who I would help with? Who would help me? Like all the people that you would think of first are no longer available, yeah. and so he, he's got to start thinking. Well, you know who's who's father who's who's father down the list, and he's like, it's yeah. the C list and the D list. It's the it's the ragtag group of guys that's you know far from who you who you'd want to have mm-hmm. on that mission, but it's like it's who he can get. Yeah. And so it's, he's, and you it's, kind of got to make the best of it, and that's part of the fun of it.
2: Yeah, it's better that way too because otherwise the, the book should be called Justice League. Yeah,
1: that's all. Yeah, that's that's, that's basically what you And get we're it.
2: trying to make, and and that's also why issue one is so centered in Gotham. Is Gary wisely wanted to like start out and tell a straightforward Batman story as a seed plant, and because by mm-hmm. issue two it goes completely out the window, right. totally out of Gotham. It gets crazy from there.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, one the, the world's in do, chaos, right? I was going to say, one of the things I think we can actually talk, I was going to say, we can't really talk about too much stuff that's going on in the future, but one of the things I think DC yeah. has already kind of revealed, because they showed the cover, and there's a synopsis for issue three already out there,
0: mm-hmm. is
1: that one of the people that, that Bruce has to approach and, and team up with, because he desperately he needs his help, needs his resources, needs his, you know, what he can bring to the table, is uh, Lex Luthor. And you mm. think, well, like the idea of like Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor working together just seems like, like this is how desperate they are, right? They really don't need They obviously can't stand each other. There would be enemies in any other context. But in this one very, very specific set of circumstances where, you know, the entire Earth is in is in peril. And there's no power communications. The whole Earth has ba- basically been kind of thrown back to the Dark Ages. And like, yeah. he, he desperately needs he realizes he can't do it alone. This is and this is this is the version of Lex Luthor where he's president. Of the United States, because I've always I've always loved that version of Lex. I've always thought, yeah, thought yeah. that version is hilarious. Um, <laughs> and so he has access to all these kind of military resources and intelligence and things like that that no one else would have. Plus, you know, everything that Lex Luther brings to the party by himself—you know, kind of genius-level intelligence and you know, very specific knowledge of, of Superman and Kryptonian technology because he's been studying it all his life. Right? Um, mm-hmm. Made a lot. It's a very kind of uneasy. I think almost like every other page. Batman is saying something like, "If you screw me on this, like, he's constantly worried that Luther is going to screw him. He's just waiting for his moment to double cross him." Okay. Hey.
3: No, that's this story is epic. Just based on the <clears throat> what, the, like you're talking about the toy box, the sandbox that you have to play with after you know you move on to the next uh, the next iterations of the story. That hopefully, um, I, I don't know the cadence of the release dates, but I know this one just the first one just dropped. So
1: um, hopefully, uh, we get uh, part two. Yeah, we're soon. on a we're on a we're on a monthly schedule now for the next eight months.
3: Okay, awesome, awesome. So, um, in June, which is why, why I'm in my
2: studio on a on Memorial Day and not out. Right.
0: Having fun. <laughs> not out. <laughs> <laughs> You're not at Gary's, you know, watching Man three. No,
1: that, <laughs> no. We'll say we'll save that to celebrate afterwards. That's I mean that's yes. the yeah. interesting interesting thing about a um a monthly book like this is that you know yeah. it's all it's all happening in various. It's not it's not unlike a TV series you know where mm, as the right. pilot is airing you know they're writing episode 12 and shooting episode 6 and various different parts of the tv season are in different parts of production so yeah. like where we are right now issue one's on the shelves i'm currently writing issue eight i'm running the, the final episode the final issue uh mm-hmm. right now um and what are you drawing right now Derek? you're on like i think i'm wrapping like, up
2: the last few pages from number four from I
1: number four see. yeah I'm about to start on five so this the is any given time the book there's like right. various different stages of the book that are in In Mm -hmm. development like again like two like two and three are basically issues two and three are locked pretty much i think we're just waiting for lettering on three um derek's finishing up the art on four i think we have covered through five i sent
2: you weeks right before we got on here
1: yeah yeah yeah. scripts scripts (laughs) are done through seven and i'm working on eight right now and so nice it's 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 a weird thing to have people reacting to issue one even Mm -hmm. as it's still like the rest of the series is still you know very much in very much in production
2: yeah, your brain, my brain is totally into, like, a different part of it. So when people are reacting to the art, number one, it feels like so long ago. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. The, n- the nice thing about it is it.
1: Though, that we're far enough along that, like, you can't, it's not like, let's say that we had not written anything else yet. We just put issue one out. Like, I, I would never mm-hmm. want to be in the position where I'm looking at what people are saying about issue one and, like, lead to us like second guessing what we do oh, people didn't like this should we change it or people really like that should we do more of that mm-hmm. i like that i like the idea that we just kind of like just the two of us and, and ben as well as our editors just kind of like committed so this is the story that we're telling it's, and so like i so, say you know i'm writing i'm writing eight right now but the story is basically done right we know what complete, all the things right. that happen yeah. are so, and so you know it's it's kind of like you know you it's you burn your ships you know when you arrive in the new world so there's like there's no, <laughs> there's no going back um yeah, and we are it's, doing it's, some again i'm I don't know, I say to Derek all the time every time he sends me a page exactly. or something from like a particular moment, of like, man, people are going to hate us, I can't believe we're doing this or whatever, or <laughs> people are going to love us for this or hate us yeah, for this, because, before. you know, we kill off some characters and we reinvent the way that you, because it's not a continuity book, it's, you know, it's, it's, eight, it's eight issues that sit outside of the, the main yeah, continuity we can do own, things that are different like in the main continuity of Batman right now Alfred's dead, but he's alive in our book, right because it's a separate right. story and right. it also Loser's means that we can present. Yeah, we can, yeah, we can, yeah, we can kill, right. yeah, Luther is president, we can kill characters if we want, we can mm-hmm. introduce new characters, we can like reinvent, we can retcon characters, because it's its own thing, like it's not going to affect the ongoing continuity of the story, so we have a lot more right. of a free hand to do, do wacky things if we want, and, and kind of get, you know, like, like I said, look at these characters from, uh, from a way, if you were kind of bound by ongoing continuity, you might have, might not have as much of the freedom that we have with this book. Right,
2: what's right. Once upon a have... time, they would have called this an World story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. By by the end of it certainly, yeah, because again we do I think one of the I think one of the DC blurbs they put out was like this book will change the way you think about Superman forever and yeah, certainly by the time that we're done there's there's some interesting uh, revelations um about, you know, a lot of different characters in the DC universe. But again, it's its own thing. Um if you don't if you don't like what we've done, you can always just go back to the main DC right. books. But again, that's yeah, that's, part, you, that's part that's yeah, part of the right, we're, of it. we're not changing
2: continuity.
1: Right, right, right. But I mean, that's part of the beauty we're of We're exploring of an idea.
3: Yeah, well, that's yeah. What, as you were saying, uh, Gary, that's that's the beauty of comics. Like people, you know, if we had the same continuity, it's just sort of being like, you know, okay, let's just continue doing the same thing. You might as well call this a Justice League book, and then there you go, right? But if you can build something outside of that, which you've done, um, it gives people, it, it, for me, it's exciting because you get to get something that's fresh, you know? hey, guess what, such and such passed away because of what happened here and they didn't have backup and Justice League is all over the place right now, right?
1: Those it's sort often, of stories relate. It's I mean mm-hmm. It often is very um, restricting, right? Especially when, when you work in Star Wars or you work in one of these big universes like DC or Marvel, like so mm-hmm. much of the guardrails are already in place, right? We know that historically, canonically, this is the case and you can't change this or that. Mm. um and sometimes that's fun to kind of work with those restrictions but other times oh man i wish i could do this and there's no like inherently creative reason why i can't do it it's just because like something already happened in another book that kind of closes that door or whatever um so to be able to to um work like i said outside of the main continuity and obviously we're not gonna you know completely you know throw it to turn everything on it's still there's still it's you know Batman and the characters. You you know they it's you recognize it very much as a as a book that takes place in the in the DC universe. But we have mm-hmm. more latitude to to kind of play with the characters and have fun with you know some of the origins, like different origin stories for characters, and just you know the way that they interact with each other. We can just have a little bit more more fun with it. And any any anytime, like I do find myself. Accidentally, kind of straying over the guardrail. There's like Ben's or, or Derek's always there to say, "I ah, can't do that. You went too far this <laughs> time." And they'll and they'll and they'll set me they'll set me back on the correct path.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of came into this with a little bit of a like I don't know what the word would be uh, prejudice, I guess, because I had just spent some time writing Batman, so I used in my head, and I had to go through a bunch of you know turning Batman stuff into an editor that would come back and go, "I don't know about this," or "What do you think about that?" So I had to kind of re-get I had to get re-educated on like who Batman is now, but mm. something that both Gary and Ben and I agreed with, and that Gary kind of uh, we, we laughed about was that like Batman is never funny. Batman has to be the straight man in every scene, and so you know everybody around him can make a joke, but Batman should never make a joke.
1: <laughs> right yeah that was actually one of the first notes i got back from ben was i had batman kind of but ba- i mean i wanted some of the comments that we got on the book actually i don't know if you've how much of it you, you've read in terms of the reviews that have been coming in but it's interesting a lot of people really like it but they're basically saying oh batman's like a bit more casual in the way that he talks to people he's not you know, he's usually very very stern and stoic in the way that he interacts so with people this- he's a bit more open and kind of he has like you know talks to alfred a lot and talks to gordon you know the people that the, the kind of the the people that are in his life. And he's just a bit, he's a bit more conversational um, mm-hmm. than you might be used to, because I, that's just how I wanted to write him. And I kind of felt like that's how he would talk. And it's interesting when you work on a book like this, it does, you do end up like, you know, falling down really nerdy, nerdy rabbit holes. Like Derek, Derek <laughs> and I ended up a big debate about like, what kind of music, you know, Bruce listens yeah. to when he's working in <laughs> the back
0: game. He's like,
1: well, Bruce would only listen to like really grim, dark, like raw kind of like very kind of death metal <clears> kind of music. Cause he's so dark and he's in a soul. And I'm like, really? Like, I kind of feel like, he can't be that one dimensional, like even, even Bruce Wayne, even Batman, right? Who has dedicated his life to this singular mission of fighting crime. Like that can't be all he does. Like he like, He's yeah. got like what's on his iPod? Like he must listen to something. Like he, he must, Smiths, he must have free, he must have music that he likes. He must have books that he likes. He must have like mm-hmm. a favorite TV show. Like I know that he's a workaholic, and like but he must have like he, he, just for his own sanity, must have a little bit of downtime. And I just kind of felt See, like
2: having it, like like, you, But you're you're bringing sanity into this, and it's really debatable. Well, I, yes, and obviously could talk a, all, same... we, could,
1: we could talk all all day about, oh, this. There's there's about guy the guy that got a singular focus that dresses up as a bat goes out. Is in question. But I just kind of feel like I just wanted to humanize him a little bit, and even if it just—I—I don't even remember if we even put anything like this in the book. But even if it's just like you know, there's a couple of pop culture references in there.
2: I I really like the way you—I think Gary's uh, Bruce Wayne. He writes a great Bruce Wayne, and Mm -hmm. so the interactions between Alfred and Bruce Wayne when uh, when Bruce is relaxed and in a safe space, like the Batcave, and just talking to Alfred, who knows him like a father. You know, it's like that Bruce Wayne. I that makes sense to me for that guy to be a little bit more relaxed or jovial or whatever. And uh, we threw on a in the pencils. I put a Smith's t-shirt on uh, on Bruce Wayne while I was working in the thing, and the editor was immediately like. You yeah, we. Keep I, that that Smith
1: no, <laughs> you can't always do everything you want to do. It's like truly I feel like Bruce would at least listen to like the Smiths or so, something. So he, so he can't have an But then you know, there's issues where you, know, you can't clear that with legal because and you know, right we, we, we can't will we'll, we'll try. We'll see if it'll. You know, but
2: there was like, there was there was i I can't promise get to
1: do this. Like the very, I remember the very first note I got back from Ben was like, "In issue, it's in issue one. They're talking about like Batman's satellites that he has in orbit. You know, because of course he has satellites." And in the original script that I wrote, there was just like a one panel joke where Bruce says, I really think we should have called them battle lights. And Alfred's like, no, we're not going to do that. And that was just like a, like a, like a, a quick joke that we had. And mm-hmm. the note that I got back from Ben was like, Batman wouldn't make that joke. Like he's too serious. And I was like, okay, well, we'll give it to El- Let's have Alfred be the funny one. And Alfred's the one who says, oh, they should be battle lights. And then Batman's like, no. And so it will, I'll always find a way to get a joke in there. But yeah, one of the things that I learned was that you have a very, very limited, um, uh, Uh, scope to have Bruce or Batman ever be funny because you know he is defined by you know all this darkness and he's so serious in his approach and and so that was and once I realized that and you know it kind of almost takes me back to like the old it's actually kind of a classic thing in comedy like usually the person at the center of the piece is the serious one and the joke's always on them like I used to listen to the old Jack Benny show on the radio which was hilarious but like Jack Benny never actually made a joke himself it was always the people around him that were making jokes kind of at his expense and I kind of thought of it in that uh, there's a, there's a scene in um, issue two where the justice league is sitting around the table in the hall of justice. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of like funny stuff that's being said, but like none of it is said by Batman. He's the one saying like, knock it off with the jokes because you know, <laughs> I'm Batman and I take things very seriously. And so I found a way to get a lot of comedy into the book, but um, making sure that in terms of like how Bruce kind of interacts with comedy or any kind of levity, I still feel like there's more, more latitude for that than a lot of people you know would would typically think, uh, and, and every now and again Bruce will there's like something a little bit funny in there. But for the most part, yeah, he's the very grim, dark, serious Bruce that we know from the comics. Right.
2: If you need any commentary from me for the past four minutes of whatever Gary was saying, I have none because my earplugs just stopped. So I was, trying <laughs> oh. to, I was trying to put up a red flag that I couldn't hear anything. So. Oh, okay. I was just slagging
3: you off. Don't worry about it. You don't have <laughs> oh, to guess. worry about it. <laughs> well, no, he, he basically he said that experience. you love Superman three, really, that after the conversation. Yeah, I know. I don't know why. Superman <laughs> sure. four
1: as well. How much Derek loves that movie? I'll never understand. Oh, it. He thinks God, yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is a absolutely. quest for peace.
2: That's well, that's why we have in issue four a big debut and re- revival of Nuclear Man.
1: Yeah, it's like the whole thing is it all turns <laughs> up being Nuclear Man. And like Derek, no one gives a shit about Nuclear Man, but he's. And insisted. I'm yeah, telling you, this movie's do. underrated, dude. People Nuclear loaded. Man. This is going to get. We're going to give him a fair shot this time. <laughs> are, are, are you breaking new, breaking that
3: news right now? We're going to get. <laughs>
2: <laughs> flying Lacey laying out in the space where she can
0: breathe, like she's in an atmosphere. It's perfectly fine. You know, any Neil before Zod moments? <laughs> <laughs> that that was. Good. I mean, that was a really classic scene in uh, in the Superman movies. Um, now I
2: think we got to put us some kind of like reference to nuclear man in the, in the fortress.
1: Oh <laughs> my God. Can you imagine? Um, Cause we do, there's, there's little references to, batman continuity both like not just in the comics but in the movies as well there's like there's a couple of references to there's like some references from the donna movies and references from the nolan movies mm-hmm. my kind of I'm feeling shameless, is that, i'm you know, shamelessly I'm,
2: I'm shamelessly drawing the burton the burton bat plane into
1: it oh yeah and we've done we've, and, anton and, and, first and, is
2: a genius and his bat plane needs to be back into something
1: yeah and that's and that's and that's the that's the nice thing about it is you get to kind of draw from all your own you know everyone comes to this with their own personal experience of Mm-hmm. you know the, the batman and the superman comics and movies and tv shows and things that we grew up on and you know i, I to me it's not I, I i don't consider there to be like any walls between those different media like it's all it's all good stuff and if um like i think in, in issue one there's a couple of references to like the nolan films and later on there's some references to the to the donna movies and again uh, the way that the um derek's designing various um aspects of it you know, i think it's like there's the burton batwing and yeah we it, we've been having a lot of fun with it
0: So one question I always had uh, when it comes to co-creating and and working together on a project, right? I know that DC as a whole is still a company, and I'm sure there's deadlines that has to be met for DC's purposes. But since this is kind of like Gary's story in a way, do you guys have uh, more leniency because it's not inside the universe, where it's like it's its own series? Are you? Do you still have deadlines they have to meet when you co-work together? Like, do you have to get a book oh, yeah. back to Gary? Well, that's find-
2: that's, the, that's just publishing. I mean, it really comes back down to like, you know, meeting a publishing deadline. They Once they solicit a book, I had a lot of lead time on this, but I had enough happening on the lead time that I kind of uh, ate it up, uh, not getting as far ahead as I wanted to. But once they solicit a book. Then you're kind of beholding to that deadline for the release, because if you don't make those dates, it affects retailers and sets off a domino effect uh, that can hurt a lot of people that are counting on having your book on the stands at that time, because it's pre-sold and then also they're hyping it and things like that. So, you know, yeah, deadlines are uh, they're more for the publishing aspect than it is the creative aspect gary's written so far ahead that i have a very clear idea where the story's going and we've already hashed out a lot of it he's like said he's writing issue eight i'm finishing issue four so right,
1: right. so know, the script the scripts it, are like five six and seven are just sitting there and, and, and yeah and, and the, the, the 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 deadlines are obviously inviolable you know and, and it's all reverse engineered from the fact that you know once uh issue one goes on sale on may 24th you know people that like the book are going to be in a uh, comic store on June 24th expecting issue two and it had better be there and you know the, the only way it's there is if I hit my deadlines and Derek hits his and you know the letterer and the colorist everyone has to you know and, it, and it's a long process you know I'll write an initial draft um, Derek and Ben will both give me notes I'll incorporate those notes then Derek will do pencils we'll look at pencils then he'll do inks we'll look mm-hmm. at inks um, and then we'll see colors and then we'll see letters and then generally when we see lettering we do kind of a final pass like just last minute tweaks. Um, and then we have, and then at that point we do have a finished book, but it's, you know, there's, there's multiple, multiple inside each book's deadline is, you know, the multiple kind of deadlines nested, uh, within that in order to make sure that everyone has enough time to do what they need to do. Yeah. My
2: goal is always to try to stay one step ahead of the letterer and the colorist. mostly the colorist Diego Rodriguez, who I work very closely with and have for years. He also covered Oliver. So we got, and the letterer is also Oliver's letterer. So we have the whole Mm -hmm. Oliver team on this Batman book. That's right. Uh, but with with uh, Diego, it's like I'm always trying to make sure that I don't put him in too much of a, a pinch by not turning the work in with enough time for him to be, you know, have a three or four pages that he can be working on. If I'm behind on inks, then he's mm-hmm. at least got something to color while I'm finishing up the inks. You know, I don't like to work mm-hmm. this way, but it seems to be endemic. You can't you can't control everything, you know.
3: Right, right. Yeah, also, that's what sometimes gonna... you get
1: sick, sometimes stuff happens. You
3: know? That's what I was going to ask. Who you had uh, coloring, uh, doing the colors for this? Uh, for this, for
1: this, for this. Yeah, Diego's amazing. It's actually my my favorite part of the process. I love to look at Derek's pencils, and I love to look at his inks. Mm. But I imagine even Derek, who's not a colorist, would agree. It's when you see colors; it feels like the page really comes to life, Absolutely. especially when it especially when it's when it's done as as beautifully as someone. Um, like Diego, so so much of it is, especially with something like Batman, you know, which always ends up being, you know, there's a lot of shadow and darkness and mm-hmm. you go to some really interesting places, um, uh, you know, I, again, not to spoil it, but there's some stuff later on in the book that, that really it, it is dependent almost entirely on how it's going to be colored uh, yeah. and lit. And so to have someone like Diego uh, working on it. Um, you know, gives you gives you when I, even when I'm like drawing a page, I'm like, can we do this? Like, this is really gonna this is gonna need some like crackjack coloring to make this work. I'm like, well, Diego's doing it, so I know we're gonna be okay, and I can, <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can go to yeah. those places.
3: Yeah, did I DC that- give me any flexibility on the colors? I know they they, they yeah. DC Marvel they all have really strict policies when it comes to. You know the colors of their characters. So what's that? Well, because
2: we're kind of in our own continuity, it's like this yeah. is—they've uh, been pretty lax with me. I'm just kind of drawing traditional people too. It's like mm-hmm. I don't really, when it comes to the DCU, unless I have to, I, or or want to, or need to, like there's not really a need to reinvent the wheel here. Like we can right, right. kind of just do straightforward Batman, and 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 they're pretty. This has actually been one of the easiest, uh, editorially, one of the easiest jobs I've ever had for DC because Ben and I. Ben Abernathy and I go all the way back to the first issues of the Boys. So mm-hmm. he and I, like, he was my original editor on the Boys at Wildstorm, and that's how we met years ago. So nice. when we work together, it's like we know each other and we're friends, and and so it goes really. Right now, everybody in this group that's working together, including Diego, we've all experienced uh, working together, and we all kind of know what the job is and how to do it. And like, unless there's something that's a red flag or, you know, that we go too far off the rails for some reason. It's, it's a pretty straightforward process. The only uh, the thing that I really love too about working with Diego Rodriguez is that he, because he and I have a good, like I've never met him in person, but I feel like if we ever do, we're gonna like be immediate friends, you know, but um, he is a person that like, I collaborate on the colors with him uh, very closely where he shows me stuff and asks me questions before he turns stuff in. And I mm-hmm. send him reference material like, oh, I kind of see it like this and I'll find photographs that have that lighting and he'll bring that lighting into it and Mm -hmm. you know and that's that's what makes it really come together so it's like I'm working hand in hand with the colorist to bring the full excuse me the the full art into focus and uh, it's not like he goes off and works in his own camp and then I see what it is on the page like it used to be at Marvel back in the 90s -hmm. like I I wouldn't know I wouldn't know what to expect until it was published Uh, this is much better I like that I'm kind of a control freak in that i like to have eyes on everything as it goes forward so we can catch mistakes or you know continuity errors or oh that was supposed to be yeah. flame in the background and you did it like ice and you know so sometimes yeah i didn't
1: i didn't i course. didn't really have like a lot of specific i didn't have like a tremendous desire to kind of reinvent every anything like aesthetically again a lot of the stuff is so kind of iconographic you know the bat cave and the suit and Right. You know, we all know what Superman looks like and in terms of like color I mean you know, yeah I mean it's like it's not like I was saying to Ben like hey do the green lanterns have to be green because I've got some other ideas like it's all there's certain there's certain things that you just know they are the way um right. that they that they are um like every now and again I like I didn't for example like the Joker's in in the book I didn't know what the Joker in this book was gonna look like until Derek drew it I was just like happy for him to do it mm-hmm. um I remember you remember Derek I had a specific like I wanted the I wanted the penguin to look a certain way because I didn't want it to be like the flamboyant you know, top hat and tuxedo penguin. For me, the version of the penguin in this book is kind of a little closer to the, kind of the Colin Farrell, kind of the grounded Matt yeah. Reeves version. Mm-hmm. Every now and again, I'll have a specific idea for. I really want this to look this way, like and again, like the fortress because it's so central to the story. Uh, you know, I th- there was a specific look that I that I wanted for that, and I spoke to, spoke to to Derek at length about that. But for the for the most part, for me, it wasn't about like reinventing the way these characters. There's a lot of reinvention going on in the book in terms of who they are and their backstories and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the, the whole, you know, kind of the, the narrative aspect of it. But, um, aside from, aside from like a couple of really specific things that I either did or didn't want to say, uh, cause I felt like they have been done too much before or I just that particular aesthetic didn't appeal to me. Um, you know, Derek's really kind of taken the lead on like deciding what this particular Batcave looks like, or this particular mm-hmm. Batmobile looks like. I don't, I'm like, Oh, it's gotta be a muscle car or it's gotta be, you know, a hot rod. Like, I, that, that to me is not really, Story-specific, so it does, it doesn't matter unless there's a reason why a story reason why the why the Batmobile looks the way it does. It doesn't really matter to me as long as it looks cool.
2: Nice. I did create a, I did get to create a Batmobile for this. So it's the oh, there you go. Yeah, it's like oh, it's, it's very cool. It's like an exotic sports God. car. Yeah, I just took a Maserati and batted it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was a Maserati. I might have been the
3: <laughs> Nice. Well, there you go. But there goes the flexibility. Mean,
2: what, what, but Bruce can afford whatever. So, you know, Right. Like, I just want to know who <laughs> the guy he pays, he pays real well to keep his mouth shut when he tricks it out for me.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, is there any, is there anything, um, uh, as, as you're, you know, as we're going through this, as you're going through this entire series, um, and, and Gary, this is maybe, maybe, maybe more specific to you as you're, you know, you've done plenty of movies and stuff like that. As you say, you, you know, you, you, by doing comics like how much of it was this like a doing this was this a stretch goal for you as as you're as you're working on this or is this something that you're like oh okay I'll take my shot at it
1: sort of thing or you know um i don't know i mean obviously the idea you know when when they say would you write to write a, like to write a batman book of course you immediately say yeah cuz i you know have you know, been read reading those comics and mm-hmm. you know grew up watching the the adam west tv show and the and tim burton movies and um, you know, and playing the video, you know, the Arkham video games. And just, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually more of a Superman. I like, I like Batman a lot. I like Superman mm-hmm. a little bit better, which is why when they said, like, pitch us a book, I was like, oh, can I pitch a Superman book? And they're like, well, we kind of want Batman because 2022 is kind of the year of Batman with the Matt Reeves movie and everything. I said, okay, I'll, do, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll come up with a Batman story for you, but I kind of want to have Superman in there somewhere. And, you know, so the Fortress of Solitude idea, you know, kind of suggested itself. Um, but no, I mean, like, I primarily—I don't really see myself as primarily any one thing or the other now. Like, I've actually spent more time. I mean, I'm still I'm always working on movies and television, uh, mm. but those are the, always also the hardest things to kind of get realized. You know, I, I write books, I write comic books, I do podcasts, um, I do all kinds of. You know, when I worked in the Star Wars universe, I you know started on Rogue One, but I ended up working on Star Wars Rebels for two seasons. I did mm. the Last Jedi comic book um, uh, for, D, uh, for for Lucasfilm and Marvel. And I wrote for uh, two Star Wars uh, short story collections as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you do a lot, you know, st- storytelling is in whatever form, you know, in whatever form you can you can come at it. And I like being able to experiment with different forms. And comics has been a really, really interesting one for me, again, especially as someone who grew up reading comics in this, in the same way that, you know, Star Wars um, was, you know, when that opportunity came up, I was like, why really I get to play with these characters? Like that's so nice. cool that, yeah. you know, you kind of feel the same thing about working with the, uh, with the you know like the, the dc toy box mm.
0: yeah
2: awesome that never gets old for me either it's like oh, why would thing. it it's just like that's the best part for me it's like the whole my whole life like uh, even when i was a little kid you know and, and i love that gary uses the same analogy as i do in that you know because i have a feeling if gary and i were little kids you know back in the 70s together like we would have been colli- you know brought all of our star wars figures into a big pile <laughs> and gone out you know rode our bikes down to the park and like played in the sand
1: and made
2: up stories that's right mm-hmm. you know but since we're adults we're
1: doing it this way yeah, yeah. and getting paid yeah <laughs> and, that, and that's the big difference is getting paid but also having to kind of think about think about it a lot more when i was bashing those action figures together if i had like a plot problem i didn't care now i have to care <laughs> about that. there's like a logic there's like a logic there's like a logic issue i actually have to think about it a lot more deeply. But it's, it's actually something i've thought about a lot over the years i think you know especially coming from the star wars universe we talk about all the different ways that Mm-hmm. um you know storytelling is a big part of the Star Wars. obviously the films are great and you know tv the tv shows tell great stories and the comics and the books and the video games are always with star wars right there's got to be a story there's got to be a story because that's where it began nice. um yeah. but i often think it was the, the the people don't think about this very often but i i really do think about the toys as a great catalyst for storytelling as well They're the stories that you tell yourself right when you've got your whatever. It's funny. It's almost, it's almost like improv. It's like, well, these are the action figures that I have, right? I can't mm-hmm. afford everyone in the store. I've got a Rancor keeper. I've got Luke Skywalker. I've got, right. um, you know, Princess Leia over here and I've got a Darth Vader figure. Like these are the, 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 the these are, these, these are the things that are available to me. I need to come up with a story that, in, that, in, that incorporates all these characters. And so like, that's, I think like how I first got interested in storytelling was just playing with the toys and, you know, it's just in your kind of childlike imagination always trying to come up with, like, what's the backstory? You know, like, why, you know, why are, why is the Rancor Keeper and some guy from Cloud City, like, bashing into each other and fighting? Well, you've right. got to come up with some reason for that. What's the story? Yeah. And I think a lot, I think a lot of kids, you, know, you kind of, you know, start to, you know, kind of flex and, 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 um, and develop their storytelling muscles. Like, develop, I think, I think playing with toys like that, imaginative play. Is um, is is a really good place to start as a storyteller. And it's where a lot of us just naturally naturally do tend to start. I
2: remember oh, yeah. my dilemma as a kid was trying to figure out how to why there was only a, one stormtrooper.
1: <laughs> I used to hate I used to hate those those commercials they had yeah. where like the kids got fifty stormtroopers. Yeah, right? like, how, I'm like how does he have fifty stormtroopers when I when <laughs> yeah. I went to the store every week with my allowance my pocket money. And I'm like, well, I've already got one stormtrooper. I could either buy another one, or I could buy a different. Oh, I want to buy a different character. Right. Like, how much? Like, how how rich is your dad? You, you can afford <laughs> to buy fifty stormtroopers. They look very good well, in a commercial. Yeah, not know any kid at school. That your dad, had 50 dad is killer toys, I guess. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah, I always
2: liked how they had the perfect backyards to play with that shit in too. Like, they were set up was, on the perfect look, it mountain. It looked so
1: good. And- yeah. Like I wanted and I wanted I was that very kid very I had I had one stormtrooper that get, got got shot over and over and over basically like, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> every every single stormtrooper that got shot in my little backyard was was the same dude
0: no I I was that kid where my dad I was lucky uh Kitty City was going out of business at the time unfortunately but my dad went in there and he bought every single Star Wars toy that was on discount and I had I probably had maybe about 40 stormtroopers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and they, and you know, my story was they arrested my Lego toys. They arrested my Lego toys and put them in the GI Joe jail. I don't know if you remember that, but there you I, go. that was my plot line. That when I was a kid. <laughs> So um, one thing I want to ask both of you uh, as well before we we get towards the end of the interview is that so for one book alone, let you know, let's just say for example issue one since that's out, how long uh, of a process is it just to get one book from inception to completion?
1: Do you remember when we first pitched this, Derek? It was I mean it was was last yeah it was like February a while ago right yeah february of
3: 2021 2021 yeah yeah and, and so all by
1: the summer so a little a little over a year later we're issue on issue one and two gels. took me a
2: ridiculous amount of time because um i actually used to for 15 uh, 17 years i worked in a basement studio in my house and uh in august of last year i got this outside space so this is now just dedicated in my workspace mm-hmm. excuse me <laughs> i was warning you <clears throat> it's not COVID folks you won't catch it <laughs> through the screen it's just a chest cold, but it doesn't want to let me talk um no it was uh so I I the move took you if you can imagine unentrenching yourself from a space that you've been in for 17 years mm-hmm. like it, that was no it wasn't a small move it was a major thing to get uh to get me out of my studio and set up over here and I lost some time doing that so <laughs> while I had some lead time on the book um I ate it up in the move. And then, like I said, life doesn't leave you alone if you get sick or anything else. And then number two was an incredibly dense story. Like there was a lot of characters, a lot of stuff to draw. And like, I was surprised, like, no matter how hard I tried, I could not, I could not draw that issue quickly, but it looks good. I think it's a, yeah. Cause it's just like one know,
1: massive action scene. Yeah. It's
2: a massive action scene with like a mil- it's It's almost like the old cartoon of like the writer and the artist on the stage at, uh, comic Con, he's like, oh, well, you you know, the writer saying, I I can ask for anything. I got an unlimited budget, and uh, you know, if I want a million guys attacking another guys, so like I can ask for that. And then the artist's
1: just like, I'll kill you. <laughs> I always I always feel the need to apologize. Like when I if I'm writing a a novel and I write you know fifty thousand Spartan warriors come over the hill, that's fine. I can just write it on a page and it's done. But if I'm doing that as a right. comic. Yeah. Like, if I, I like if it's necessary for the story, then we're going to do it. But like, I I'll often I'll often put a note into the artist like, Derek, I'm so sorry, fifty thousand Spartan warriors <laughs> coming over the hill. But you know, to it's figure also out a way like, to do this.
2: I often like to say to people, you know, and since like I said I work a little bit as a writer myself from time to time, I know the mm-hmm. difference. And even writing for myself, knowing I'll be drawing it later, I'll be angry at myself as the artist go, "What was I thinking?" But um, <laughs> there's a, but it's also the idea that you know. If you write the word telephone and draw a telephone, guess which person gets done first. You
1: know? <laughs> I saw a, um, yeah, that's the thing, right? How, like, how, long did it ta- how long did it take me to say or to write down panel one, 50,000 Spartan warriors come over the hillside.
2: 25 what, seconds. What was that?
1: Six seconds? How long <laughs> did it take Derek to draw it though? Considerably longer. I, I, saw, I, saw, I, saw, I saw an artist the other day on Twitter complaining about horses saying like writers can yeah. we please like don't give me horses anymore I'm sick of them like horses some th- some things are very tricky for like whether it be mm-hmm. a horse or some writers really don't like drawing like hands like close-ups mm-hmm. on hands and things like that they again things that, as writers you don't think about right because like mm-hmm. what's spectacular about a horse but they're actually a, well I write an artist would tell you they're fucking hard to draw and, <laughs> yeah. a, and these are things it's that fair. you learn is, you know, the more time you spend in comics
2: yeah, I know it sounds really good, and then when you're actually doing it, I won't even see it because, like, again, I get into the script, and I'm just imagining it as I as I read it, and mm-hmm. it's so you know, I'm enjoying what Gary's written, so I don't even really put my head into like how much work it's going to take to draw it until I'm actually in the thick of it. And the weirdest things will hold you up. Like the things that I think are going to go, bam, like, like why am I still drawing this panel? Like, this should be an easy panel. And then the things I think like, this is going to take me forever, I'll get through because I spent so much time worrying and thinking about it that it's practically drawn by the time I take my pencil to the page. Like, mm-hmm. I know what I'm going to do with it because I'm obsessed. Like, this is going to be a really hard panel. You know, so it's very strange, but it's like, it's the casual stuff that's the hardest. Like the stuff that I'm still wrapping up for this issue is mostly one of the pages, mostly like Bruce casually in the Batcave, but Bruce Mm. has to look like a human. And it's almost easier to draw like the Batman stuff where he's in action and in the costume because it almost lends itself to natural layouts. But when a person is uh, doing something naturally and it looks wrong, that's gonna jump out to the reader more than Batman doing something dynamic. That might look a little weird because you're immediately you're already at the at the starting point of weird when you're looking at batman jumping off a building because that mm-hmm. just is not something you'll see in real life you're never going to be in a position where you're going to be walking down the street and go, oh there goes batman well <laughs> here comes batman right into my face okay. um, but but it, but you are but you've been but batman but if bruce is just sitting in a chair and working on his computer and he looks off you're going to go, that looks weird. I and mean, you won't, you might not even know why,
1: but if I draw it wrong, you're going to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's often a very thankless task in that regard. And it does remind <laughs> me a lot of kind of movie, movie work. And yeah. again, it's very easy for me to write a space battle or whatever, but then, you know, for to, to, to turn that into a, you know, into a film is, you know, with all those visual effects and, and and cinematography, that's obviously very, very difficult. And then in the middle of, at least people go, oh, wow, look at those amazing visual effects. And mm-hmm. what... What what those artists did is like very visible and is often appreciated. If you do great visual effects in a movie, people all will, will call them out. But to Derek's point, yeah, like it's no, it's not necessarily you, you, again a layman I think might assume this to be the case, but it really isn't any easier to draw Batman drinking a cup of tea than it is, you know, him fighting, you know, the Joker, right? You think well, the 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 the, the big kind of action scene would be trickier, right? But like to Derek's point, just capturing little human moments like Bruce drinking a cup of tea and I mean, it, but yeah. having it look right. Um, but again, people people will just skim by. Oh, yep, that's what looks. That's what drinking well, and, a cup of tea and, looks like. But they don't realize and, that there's like a hundred ways to make that look bad, and Darren right. has to find and, the right one. And thank you for that. Uh, because but the thing of that is too is
2: that if you do it right, that means if you did skim right by it, that means I did my job perfectly. Like I don't mm-hmm. want you to be hung up on, like looking at Bruce uh, drinking a cup of tea unless that tea has poison in it. Because right, that's a big right. deal. Then you mm-hmm. really need to be focused on Bruce drinking that tea. But if he's just having a conversation with Alfred and it's going into the next moment, you should skim by it. But it's funny to me too, like that. You know, I'll spend four hours on that. You know, inking that Bruce with yeah, a cup one of tea. scene,
3: right? Yeah, and
2: and people are going to be like, oh, you know, they're just reading on. But that's right. you know, that's that's the magic of comics too. Like you want to create. If you do your job right, you've created a world that is so immersive that you are kind of tricked into believing you're in that world for that minute of time. Mm-hmm. And if I've done that and, you know, and if, if you leave the book feeling like, oh, I, I've been somewhere and I experienced something and you're feeling anything from it, well, then that's, you know, I certainly have plenty of comic books from my childhood, which wouldn't make you feel that way. You know, <laughs> 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 when I couldn't draw an arm correctly and it just looked like a lump of, you know, dough. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, yeah I used to, to remember you know, when somebody
1: else's. told me that, um, about Rob Liefeld, he doesn't like drawing feet. Yes. You go back looking, it's cool. You know, you'll find a way to have the feet out, of, like they're always obscured or out of the panel. It's like, oh, once you, once you know what to look for, you go, oh yeah, he really doesn't <laughs> like drawing feet, so you just never see them.
3: I cut you off at the ankles. <laughs>
1: yeah, every time.
2: Yeah, there's all kinds of little tricks that you do, you, you, you can do too, when like deadlines are pressing. You go, well oh, do so I really need that in the background, or can that be a silhouette? You know?
3: Right. Awesome all right before sometimes we you get... could
2: take that and use that to your advantage too like sometimes yeah. thinking that way will make a scene more dramatic and interesting in a way you hadn't originally conceived it because you are minimalizing it i know that from frank miller like you look at frank miller's work mm. when he goes minimalist sometimes it's a, it was it's more potent and powerful without all the bells and whistles when you're focusing on just this
3: mm-hmm.
2: hard iconic shape i'm over talking yeah no no that's <laughs> no, awesome no, no before okay. we get
3: I was gonna say before we get Gary out of here, um uh, quick question to both of you: what What would Batman's favorite food be? Like, like
2: well, in the, in the in
1: the like- Le- I know from the Lego Batman movie, that it's it's loves the thermidor, isn't it? He loves, <coughs> love, loves the thermidor. That's the Lego version <laughs> of Bruce Wayne, though. The Lego version makes sense.
3: Like if all think- this work that you uh, from this universe, your perspective, what what would you think Batman would? like to eat
1: it's funny it, it's funny it actually reminds me of something that in the um in the uh in the first draft of one of the issues that i did batman bruce is pulling an all-nighter in the bat cave and like one of the one of the classic kind of images that you would have to kind of illustrate that is like there's like chi- there's like chinese takeout boxes like yeah. all over the place um, but I'm like, oh no, wait! Like the whole world's been shut down. There is no Chinese takeout. Like nothing, right. no, nothing's getting delivered.
0: Right. And so,
1: um, you know, you have to. There's just little things you have to think about. Like, but again, mm. this is this is my point. Even though you don't, I, I get like I've never spent a lot of time thinking about it because it's never been like story relevant. But like, right. I guarantee you, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne's not like, oh, I'm too, I'm too obsessed with the death of my parents to think about like what I like to eat. He has a favorite food. Right. I just, I, it's it's never. And I think sometimes when you take a moment to like indicate that, like, you know, Alfred's made his favorite sandwich order, maybe it's like a ham and cheese sandwich. Let's say Mm. Bruce, okay, we've done it. Batman's favorite food is ham and cheese, a really good, like grilled ham and cheese sandwich, the way Alfred makes it for him. Right, I would think it would be
2: something that would tie into comfort food for him. Like I think Batman's favorite food would be like something simple, like a grilled ham and cheese sandwich, but Mm. it has to be just so, because maybe it's something that's a happy, like all of us, like it's a happy memory or that the taste or the experience of eating and smelling
1: that food brings you back yeah. to more, com- more, plus, you know, time.
2: lots of protein because I think most the time, before just, you go
1: out on patrol. Yeah,
2: I think, yeah, he just drinks those I like, weird. I like, I like the idea that when he's,
1: and scarves yeah. down, you know, meat. I like the idea that off. when he's Bruce Wayne, you know, and he has to keep up appearances, he's eating a lot of, you know, um, caviar and like yeah. a lot of kind of, but, yeah, but, I, I, but again, I'm just kind of making it up as I go, but I, but I feel like he probably hates all that stuff. He eats it because like, that's what Bruce yes. Wayne would eat. But like yeah. when he's down in the bat cave and he eats what he wants, he's probably eating, you know, hot pockets or whatever. Whatever. <laughs> whatever he I always thought that he
2: would like, he might, you know, because he had a train all over the world that he'd have a penchant for some like weird ass food that you could only get on the outskirts of the himalayas or like, some yeah, like something
1: like that. When, yeah something when he was like training like something at that in the like nobody else has even tasted yeah because something that
2: he nobody else that, has even tasted because he, he wants he's that szechuan sauce
1: yeah. yeah he's never never yeah. never been able to get it again <laughs> like whatever, whatever, it <laughs> <laughs> whatever it might be but again, like, again that that to me is like the classic version and it's a valid version right and i know we're in a very specific point here but it's a good question to like sometimes mm-hmm. asking questions like this is a good way to kind of like think about a character just something as silly as what do they like to eat? And again, the, right. the, the obsessive workaholic version of Bruce Wayne would just say, just hit, I don't care, just heat something up, like just something to eat. I don't really care what it is. Right. But I, again, I and that's valid, but I still kind of feel like when he's got a minute, like he, I, he does, I, I guarantee you he's got favorite music. He does have favorite food. He's gonna have it's, favorite music. Yeah, yeah. why? Because those are the things that make you human. No one's that dull that they don't like things, right? Yeah. No matter how fucked up they are, they all still like things. Hitler right. likes dogs
3: you know, yeah, it's like,
1: like we all have th- <laughs> we all have things that humanize us right even even though we may be deeply deeply uh, troubled individuals yeah one of the one of my favorite
2: figures that they put out at dc direct is oh, this uh, kevin mcguire john john's Martian Manhunter with an oreo so in john's case <laughs> awesome. he had an obsession with oreos and they worked it into the action figure
3: oh my so gosh i, I, there I, I you love
2: go. that i love that kind of attention to detail because again it was really funny in Justice League, which I was a huge fan of before I got to work on it. And then John had, a, that John was obsessed with Oreos.
1: Not, not, to get, not to give too much away, I think it's something that happens in issue four, but we do have one character who joins the team to help Batman break into the fortress. And I won't, I won't go into details because you'll need to read it. Um, right. But he's entirely motivated by pizza. That's the only reason right. he's doing it. Okay. <laughs> and well, so we just, the, just things like that can be like fun, you know, just fun My ways to kind of- Favorite character to story. draw right now. That's I'm right. I'm absolutely yeah.
2: obsessed with drawing this guy. I can't wait. To yeah, we think used we think to he's buy-
1: gonna be the the, the 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 they're gonna be the breakout character of of the. Or piss DC everybody run.
2: off. I don't care though. I don't know, gonna gonna, gonna so we got to create, we got <laughs>
1: to create one new. We got to create one new superhero. Everyone else in the book is someone that you know from DC mm. canon, right? Some some better known than others. Some are like really like, you have to go like really digging. But we 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 dug up some obscure characters. Uh, but we did create one entirely new one that will mm. I guess now become canonized. Uh, by DC and my my suspicion my hope is that they will they will end up being kind of the the breakout character because we had a, Derek loves drawing them I love writing them they're really a lot of fun
2: awesome I'm hoping, I'm hoping we get to go back and do some more with that character yeah we got to they do this yeah. really thing nice so
0: quick question then right so this character you mentioned likes pizza does it would this character eat pizza or would they eat pizza with pineapples <laughs> you know my my whole thing is don't don't yuck other
1: people's yums if people like if you like if you like pizza if you like pineapple on your pizza that's yeah, your yeah. business I don't it's as, long as long as you're not making me eat it I don't care I see all these people waste people wasting their time on the internet arguing about like what's the what's the best way to make a grilled cheese or what's yeah. you know what's the best flavor of this this or that like the best flavor is the one you like Right, exactly. Enjoy what you want and leave other mind your own business and leave other people <laughs> alone. People des- in the age of the internet, people desperately need things to argue about. Oh, but yeah. boneless or bone in chicken wings. Who fucking cares? Eat the ones that you <laughs> like. Mind your own business and let people eat the ones that they want to eat. Right. I, like more for me. That's the way I always treat it. Or more for go. you. I, you I, like I get why divide. I get like why pineapple on a pizza is divisive, right? Because a lot, because it's it it, it it seems wrong to a lot of people. I no, discovered yesterday not, my kid's. It's not this Italian. Out. Hawaiian pizza was actually, it was actually invented by uh, Canadians. So you've actually got them to blame. There Why you go. A
2: Canadian I found that out <laughs> but also, way, it's yeah. like, you know,
1: but you don't hear the same like objections like when Pizza
2: Hut is like injecting everything under God's green earth into the crust. That's Domino's is making, here's the chocolate chip cookie pizza. <laughs> like,
0: right. Nobody, nobody goes, hey, that that's sounds not good, pizza. actually. Yeah. <laughs> Little it's Caesars once had a glow in the dark pizza. <laughs> oh. Oh, I'd you know I, what? I, I saw the I drank
2: too much and had a glow in the dark reaction. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, Domino's Pepsi pepperoni pizza or or is it pizza at Pep? Somebody has a Pepsi pepperoni pizza and it's made out of pepsi they're pepperoni i'm like okay that's new
1: thanks that was always yeah, one of more, my favorites more for you hits, um the late <laughs> the late mitch Hedberg, he's like my, my favorite oh, stand-up so comedian he's, he's mm-hmm. uh, long gone now but he was he was, he was, sort of, he was hilarious oh, he Hedberg. used to do a bit about how he was taking like a long a long overnight bus journey once on like a greyhound bus he's like traveling across the country or whatever yeah. and all he had with him to eat was like some crackers and some like cheese whiz you know the cheese the, the cheese Squirt the that squirts out of a can yeah. And it was dark in the bus because it was nighttime and there were no lights on in the bus. And so he couldn't he couldn't see like where the cheese was going. He was like, I wish this cheese was luminous. They should make this luminous. So, that I could see it <laughs> I can. and He was like, because listen, if you're eating a room temperature cheese that comes out of a can, you probably don't give a shit if it the dark as well. No, that's true. <laughs> it was like. Mitch Hedberg had a great take on
2: it. He goes, "Yeah, how did the double tree? How'd they get that name? People sitting around the conference table is like one tree, no double tree, hell yeah." I was hoping for triple tree.
3: Triple
1: tree.
2: I was hoping for triple
1: tree. We could just do a whole we just do a whole podcast where we just oh yeah just so you, like, if you don't know
2: it. who we're talking about go to YouTube oh He's so good YouTube folks? he lives so forever. Good. Mitch Hedberg, he was yeah. a genius.
3: Classic jokes. Classic jokes. <laughs> Very classic. Um, before we get out of here, um, do you guys want to plug anything? Gary, Derek, plug all your stuff. Where can people find you? What's coming out next? You know, episode, my, well, not episode two, but my, issue two my is coming is, out in June. My
2: list is really short, so I'm gonna I'll go first. Um uh, you can find me on Twitter at Derek R. Um, and unless you hate uh my side of politics, you'll enjoy my Twitter feed um and you can find uh, information about my backstory or original art things like that at derekrobertson.com. and the main thing i'm going to plug is the boys season three baby Lands this friday on amazon Prime. Oh gosh, you
1: can't miss it it's everywhere
0: yeah
2: i know i'm
1: so excited.
0: I'm, excited I'm excited i'm excited yeah
1: i'm like got soldier boy
2: with jensen apples who's a hell of a nice guy <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm very i'm very excited for season three to land and mostly because i haven't i don't i'm going to be surprised along with everybody else this season i decided not to read too far ahead into the screenplays so i know a little bit of what's going to go what's going to happen but a whole lot i don't know is going to happen nice, i haven't seen nice. anything because I, I couldn't go up to toronto for to be on set for season three like i did with one and two Season three lands on amazon prime this friday
1: awesome nice. gary uh, easy to find me on social media it's just it's just my name spelled out on twitch t uh twitter and youtube g-a-r-y-w-h-i-t-t-a so twitter uh, slash gary Whitter, twitch.tv slash gary um, and i do stream uh often on twitch i actually have a major project coming up on twitch um i think maybe starting as soon as next month i kind of i, I have a sci-fi novel coming out later this year and i wrote Um, and produced uh, my own um, audio kind of narrative uh, drama adaptation of it. So almost like Mm -hmm. an old old fashioned radio drama, but we're going to be doing it as a monthly or a weekly uh, podcast and a live presentation every week on Twitch over the course of nine episodes. So um, there's going to be some announcements coming up about that very soon. We're going to show a trailer. We're going to reveal the title of it. They're going to, we're going to do episode one. That's Mm -hmm. all coming up soon. And if you want, if you're at all interested in that, and I hope you will be uh, uh, follow me on Twitter, G a r y w h i t t a,
0: and that, again, that's the same on YouTube and on Twitch. Okay. Nice. Awesome. Well, everyone, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening later. Uh, and Gary and Derek, uh, appreciate your time. And thanks for stopping by and talking to us.
1: All right, thank that's you. A good, good. A good time People, as usual. Go pick
0: up ep- that book. Book one. Batman book. Fortress. Batman Batman Fortress Fortress. in stores now. There are two variant covers.
1: Collect them all.
0: And we're doing variant covers
1: across the rest of the run as well, I believe.
3: Oh, nice. nice. Oh, real quick. Are are any of you guys going to San Diego Comic-Con? Any Comic-Cons coming up?
2: I don't have any immediate plans. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to keep my schedule pretty light. Uh, I was supposed to be in in Ontario with Gary this last weekend uh, Mm -hmm. uh, for Comic-Con Revolution. But for obvious reasons, um, I was not able to go. So, yeah. uh, but I'm I, uh, Long Beach uh, Comic Con. I think in September I'm supposed to be there for the yeah. Hero Initiative. So if okay. you miss me in Ontario, it's a good chance you'll get to see me in Long Beach.
3: There you but go.
2: That's in September. But uh, Comic Con uh, San Diego, I'm not sure. They make gotcha. it harder and harder to get in. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. somebody has to kind of arrange it for me at this point, and I haven't heard anything. So
3: okay, awesome. Thank you.